Hello and welcome to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. I'm your host, Emma Gibbs-Ung. Each show I'll be using a combination of interviews with incredibly inspiring people from around the world who have achieved greatness, overcome adversity and never given up, as well as solo episodes from me sharing my own journey as a leading mindset trauma coach, helping to inspire, support and guide you to create a growth mindset so you can achieve success in all areas of your life. So are you ready to bring mindset to life and feel inspired? Let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Life Beyond Limits podcast. This week I'm joined by Sophie Lloyd Kusha. Have I said it right? Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Sophie is a happiness coach, speaker and founder of Relax Me Happy. She is a huge ball of energy and shares my passion in helping women, people, children, anybody, um, by recycling her pain for the good of others. Learning how to silence her inner critic transformed her life. And today she is sharing with us with us how she managed to do that. So welcome, Sophie. It's lovely to have you. Thanks, Emma. I'm really happy to be here. As you kind of, I think, just touched upon, I am really passionate about sharing my expertise, my experience um, on all things kind of mindset related, really. But one of the things I'm really hot on is our inner critic. I was just having a conversation with a friend in DMs this morning. Now that yeah. his back. Um, yeah. And um, it, it was just a funny conversation. And I saw, you haven't met my inner critic. And she's like, oh my God, you haven't met mine. And then actually yeah. I got an email through I'm on Marie Folio's email list and she was talking about her friend not getting back to her and her inner critic went to town on it and I just think we all have it some of us talk about it maybe the crazy ones like us some people don't even realize it's not them some people are so bought into it they don't want to talk about it and and but I just think when we out these things then everyone benefits and we're not then ruled by it we kind of cast light on it and it and it shrinks and we're not then just under its kind of um spell ultimately totally and like you say you know every single person whether you're marine marie folio or us or anybody we all have it and and that's the thing but and it is a big but not everybody knows that they have it, like you've just said, um, or understand it or anything like that. And so that's what I really want to use today to just kind of educate people on that inner mean girl, um, the inner villain, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, so they can start to identify theirs in their life yeah. and have the reassurance actually that it's not factually correct mm-hmm. and that we have the ability to change it in any given moment. Um, and then, you know, I also want to explore something else that I think that as a nation we tend to struggle with, in particular women, which is about relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the whole Relax Me Happy, I think, you know, it'd be great to get some understanding from you on tips on how to relax because yeah. me in particular, I drive my family insane because I can't relax. The only time I used to be able to relax was on a sun lounger. and Now I have a five-year-old, so I don't even get to do that. Um, but I just have this inability or had this real inability to not relax. I do do it a lot more now through meditation and so on and so forth. Um, but it is a struggle because there's always this feeling that we should be doing more. Um, and I very much work on the um, premise that it's about being 
more present, then you know how to, you know, like do the things that you need to do. Um, so I'm excited to really kind of explore both these topics because I think everybody can benefit from one, relaxing more and two, finding out about this little inner bitch that comes through every now and again that causes us to procrastinate and hold back and feel stuck and inferior and compare ourselves to other people. So what was your experience with your own inner critic? Um, okay, so I don't, no one's inner critic is kind of all sunshine and rainbows. Obviously, that's the very nature of the inner critic. Um, but in a nutshell, my, my childhood and my formative years, probably until my mid-20s, were particularly challenging for me for a number of reasons mm -hmm. um, and, 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 a, and a bunch of different things happened and that combined with the way that my brain works and my personality meant that my inner critic just had loads of things to say to me and in that time you know I suffered with anxiety and depression and body dysmorphia I didn't eat for a while because I didn't want to be I had two nervous breakdowns by my second year of university um loads of different things and so I I often say this the path from anxiety and pain and distress and so on to peace and joy is essentially the, the path of learning to no longer sort of torment yourself with your own thoughts mm. to learning to soothe yourself and it's partly that and it's also partly learning to not listen to that voice to that mm. inner critic so mm. I've experienced both sides of the coin yeah. you know I've experienced what life is like with a particularly vehement inner critic I've got a very analytical brain I'm one of those people that doesn't naturally relax um yeah who's a very deep thinker and so on and so forth. Who, and that kind of brain naturally lends itself to mental uh, unease and, and disease. Um, but, but now I've learned to live the flip side of that. But at the same time, my inner critic hasn't died, you know, and I don't think it ever, I mean, maybe if you're Eckhart Tolle or the Buddha, it is, <laughs> it is dead, but, but for the rest of us, uh, yeah. my experience is that it's just, I can see it for what it is now, most of the time, not yeah. always. And I've created something I did at a workshop, which I would advise anyone to do is to, is to give your inner critic a persona. <laughs> I, I just literally wrote down name as you were about to say yeah. that. So, so mine's called Steve. It's not Steve, it's Steve. And He's an accountant and he's very picky and no matter what, he's just not happy. And yeah. I've, I've worked a lot with children and I would do this with kids. Like my son is called Karen and my um, daughter's is called Ron. It's a really helpful thing to help you. So I'm sure you appreciate Emma to differentiate and to distance and start to yeah. see that voice in your head. It's not you and so you don't have to like you said earlier take what it says as being factual or truth or or be led by it and that's massively helpful 100 and i absolutely love that um and i i definitely agree with the disassociation because i think when you start to do that you create space like you say and then it it suddenly there's room for you to control it what I would love to just explore with you is how to identify who Steve is, because for a long time in my my own personal life and, you know, the lives of my clients, 
it was me talking. Yes. Not Steve or whoever you want to call this character that we're now associating our inner critic with, but it was me. And therefore I just assumed that was my way of life. Like for me, it's always been, you know, why is everything so hard? Um, No one cares. I just feel invisible, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And, you know, even on the odd day now, and I know all of this stuff, I still associate it with myself. Mm. Um, and forget to think that it is actually just my fear character or you know whatever it want to be coming through but for someone who may be listening to this right now and is like inner critic Steve whatever (laughs) how do they get to identify who their inner villain is so there's a question that I just love to teach to people to use and and it's this okay in fact I'm going to give a slight explanation before I share it so hang on um but so Freud said neurosis is your own intelligence used against you the mind is so freaking tricky David Goggins says it has all the intel okay so this is what happens the mind, and I use the, the terms the mind and ego and inner critic and fear interchangeably. That's just yeah. the way that I personally use it. Um, it will use whatever it can against you. Mm. So that could be anything from you've Googled your child's rash and it says 99% it's probably, I don't know, a heat, um, a heat rash, but it could be this thing. Yeah. Now that's that's a quote unquote fact that you've read, and the mind is going to use that against you. Or it could be um, that someone hasn't responded to your message, and normally they respond really quickly, so they must be annoyed at, at you because you've seen them online or something like that. Mm. So it's really tricky. If we go with well, it's true or it might be true, then we are basically, pardon my French, fucked because it's like imagine if you went into a boxing match with yourself right mm-hmm. or any obviously anyone listening and, and you've both trained the same amount you've got the same amount of hydration you've had the same coach it's going to be one hell of a fight to watch for people that like that kind of thing <laughs> but it's it's going to go on till the death I suppose yeah yeah so the for me the best way that I have found to cut through all of the bs to discern is this me? Is this my higher self? Is this my true self, my full self, my soul self? Or is this Steve or, you know, other names are obviously available. Um, (laughs) Is this question? Does this thought feel good to me? Does this feel good? And let's take the the example of the rash, right? Um, You you, you go, you go on net mums, don't go on net mums if you're kidding. But by the way, top tip. But um. And so you have the thought, this could be some lethal rash that my kids got, okay? That thought is never going to feel good to you. Now, the mind's going to go, well, if I don't listen to it, my kid could die of this rash. No, that's bullshit. What will happen is if you don't listen to it, it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily going to take the child to the doctor's. Because if common sense dictates that when you're calm and you're not listening and you're not being led by that inner critic, you will do these wise things. The inner critic kind of says, come with me. I, I, I know stuff. I've got the facts. The, the way that I look at it is that it might be clever 
but it is not wise. And for me, wisdom is, is, is the mind informed by your deeper self. And there's something to it that, that the inner critic just doesn't have. And I think if anyone listening can start to be led by that, how does this feel? You know, if you're about to, if you're about to go into an interview or do a workshop and your mind goes, oh, you should have, you should have studied more. You're gonna show yourself up. Does this feel good? No. It's never going to feel good. Or you're going out for the night and you see your friend and you go, oh, she looks prettier than me. Mm. Does it feel? No. And you'll know straight away. And okay. then and then the inner critic does this dance because, it, you know, I could be the world's most successful motivational speaker with, you know, a million followers on Instagram, all that stuff. And, and Steve is still going to say, yeah, but none of them live with you, do they? So, you know, mm-hmm. they really knew you, Sophie. Uh, and it, he, he's never going to shut up. And no one's in a critic is ever really going to shut up. So it's always, it's like this dance. And so it, you have to just be aware of this and not be led by it and fooled by it ultimately. And that question just cuts through all the crap. And I adore it. And it is so, so powerful. It is incredibly, incredibly powerful. Um, because anything that doesn't feel right is not for your greater good. It's not them being supported by you and like your higher self, et cetera. Yeah. And, it, you know, just the examples that you used. Um, I sent a message the other day and, and I remember saying to my husband, <clears throat> oh, do you think I, I might have said something <coughs> out of context? Yeah. Let me just have a water. <laughs> because you know they're from a different country to me and they might not understand the terminology or whatever and then you're like and he just looked at me and he went you're for real and I was like oh yeah <laughs> but we all do it and like Mel Robbins who I adore who you know she's just got her new book out and stuff and she's so honest and transparent and she's the most book motivational speaker and yet she openly talks about her inner critic and her anxiety on a regular basis. And this is the thing is like the inner critic and I um, I posted yesterday about a four step process on how to silence the inner critic. And it is a lot about naming, creating this character, shutting the door and it turning the volume down. But you've got to know, and like you said, that one powerful question, does this make me feel good? Yeah. If it's a yes, great. Yes. But the chances are if it's a no, That's not coming from you. That's a fear-based thought propelled by Steve or Mickey Mouse or, you know, whoever we want to name and shame with this. Yes. Um, Yeah, it it is so powerful. Yeah. It really, really (laughs) is. Um, So when, obviously, you've got the inner critic, you've identified the inner critic. Mm. And again, it just shows, you know, awareness, I think, is the biggest key. Yeah. But then people, the cynics will go, yeah, but that I feel, one, I feel stupid naming and shaming it, or two, but I've always been like that. So is this really Steve or is this really me? And it's like mm-hmm. then expanding on that as well, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what? Uh, being completely honest, I'm not in the business of trying to convince cynics. Because what happens is if you're trying to convince someone of something, they dig their heels in, you dig your heels in, and you both just become more entrenched. I'm in the business of helping people. You want to be helped. My cat has come to join us. Ah, there we go. (laughs) Uh, She she likes to be on things like this. Um, 
so she gets she gives me everything that's where I get all my wisdom from oh. <laughs> Susie so um yeah so I, my my personal take is that what I'm about is helping people who are ready for what I've yeah. got to say, yeah. who are ready to shift. Um, and not everyone's going to be, you know, regardless of what we're spouting. Mm. And, um, you know, if if you are cynical, <laughs> the ironic thing is your soul, your higher self, your true self isn't cynical. No. Actually, the inner critic it's that's it's bringing it's that it's cynicism, because cynicism is a form of what I would call, I talk about resistant thinking, so it's not necessarily what you would think of as purely negative but it's thinking that isn't fully aligned with your soul so the highest level like neil donald walsh talks about what's the highest thought i can think about this which i absolutely love which is obviously the opposite of listening to the inner critical fear talk um but cynicism is not the highest thought mm. and so if it was me and i was cynical about something i talk about this with one of my friends actually you know where there's something new and you go oh no i really don't like that Mm. often that's a cue that that thing that you quote unquote really don't like is actually the very thing that you need right. yeah that the person has to be ready to to hear that yeah 100 and I think again I'm the same like with resistance if there's any resistance forming it shows that you need to do it like I do a lot of forgiveness work and there's so much resistance around forgiveness and I'm like this is really highlighting you need to do it but yeah. you, know, I, you know you're very correct in with any of this stuff like we can't force it on people and you need to hear it. And this is why, you know, people often say, well, I've heard that before, but there's a difference between hearing something and listening and allowing it to connect to yourself. It's like, you know, you can look at your watch and then someone say, what's the time? And you have to look at it again because you've not fully absorbed it for that person. You've absorbed it for you. Yeah. And it's it. But whether you're directly ready or not now, Things start with building awareness and just hearing this conversation and knowing that like 50% of the, the things, the thoughts that go on in your mind, probably, I don't know the full statistic, but at challenge points will probably be 90% of those thoughts that are going on in your mind are not directly linked with you. That is fear-based, that is um, connected to your protection to keeping you safe to all of that sort of stuff but it's not factually correct yes at all and the other thing that I feel like I want to say just based on that Emma is in my experience and I've been coaching for 15 years so I've spoken to a few people in that time yeah. um what happens is when you're on the way that I like to think of it the precipice of growth mm -hmm. that's when naturally fear in a critic whatever is going to be shouting at its loudest because it obviously perceives staying the same as safe and growth as dangerous and it, it wants to keep you so so seeming safe so when I when I feel the way I describe it is like the wolves at the door uh part of me is like oh but another part of me is like yeah this is, did, yeah this is great because I'm on to something here and yeah. I've had that recently because I'm at a point of real shift in my life with my business and so on so I know what's going to happen I know there are going to be some mess ups I know there are going to be some um things that happen and, and the voice in my head is going to try and get me with some heavy hitters which helps obviously you know to to, to know it's going to happen um but yeah I would always see that as a, as a good sign as a positive sign Mm, yeah and that is the thing again is that we always associate certain things like this self-doubt 
uh, imposter syndrome, inner critic, whatever we may um, be experiencing as a negative. But actually, there is some real positives that come through with that, because the reality is, like you said, the inner critic never goes. Um, Self-doubt never fully disappears. We don't want it to, because then that means that we're stagnant. Um, it's very natural to feel nervous or anxious when you're about to do something new because you've got nothing to compare it to and it, you're entering into the unknown and I don't know anyone who happily just enters into the unknown with no feelings of worry at all um, but it's how you manage it and I think this is the thing is like um, you've learned to, to silence your inner critic it is a real work in progress for, for, for everybody and some days you can silence it so much quicker than others yeah. but I think you know it is important to identify the fact that it is your inner critic and then look to, to create some tools around your way of life, what works for you to help you to manage it. Because the more we can learn to manage it, like, you know, with you pivoting in your business, me with this podcast that I sat on for a while, you know, it's not going to go away. But if you manage it quicker, it just creates a little dip rather than a massive drop in you know, peaks and troughs we don't want to go through peaks and troughs because that just sets your mind on a whole nother level of weird and wacky thoughts yeah. um and takes you off peace that if you can just have a whoop and then you're back up yes then that's far more manageable we don't mind that in fact we invite it in because like you say it's exciting you know you're about to do something amazing in your business you know it is exciting it is nervous but you've got everything there within you to manage it and yeah. so so speaking of um what are the things that you have that have helped you to silence the inner critic once you've identified um I think the first thing I want to say is I went to a, a workshop run by Elizabeth Gilbert a few years yeah. ago who wrote Eat Pray Love and Big Magic I think was the book that this was based on and she said imagine that your inner critic like gets to metaphorically come on the drive with you yeah sits in the passenger seat, but it's not making decisions. Like it's not saying we're listening to this radio station. with a great big bit of tape across its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so the point is, it's there for the ride, but it's not making decisions. Mm. And actually, I personally don't try and silence the inner critic. It's more about not listening to it. So sometimes I describe it like this. Like imagine if you had a friend who was mentally ill and they said to you oh Emma do you know what um we're going to be invaded by aliens tonight so what I need you to do is to make this hat out of tinfoil and um you know cover yourself in loo roll and you'd be like yeah okay yeah cool um maybe having a chuckle to yourself but presumably you're not going to go home and make the tinfoil hat and cover yourself in loo roll mm -hmm. whereas if you were speaking to a friend that you really trusted and they were really wise and they said look I know this sounds crazy but, and they gave you the same story, you might just listen as long as it sounds. So that's the way I think of my inner critic. It's like, it's just doing its thing. It's, it's spouting its, you know, he's spouting his crap. But the, the thing is, I don't have to listen to it. Mm. And that for me is absolutely key, is, is, to, is to make that, is to differentiate in that way. We're not trying to shut up Steve because you know like Jung said what you resist persists mm. so 
it's it's that subtle shift and the other thing actually that came to me that I must say while I remember because my brain like forgets things two minutes after I've thought them or two seconds probably is mindfulness I preach about this freaking book so often um called letting go by david hawkins i don't know if you've heard of it but it is it's a relatively new book to me i i listened to it and i've read it and it's it's just on mindfulness but so powerful because what it's getting you to do is just observe 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 and like we were talking about earlier when you're in observer mode when you create this sense of distance and space you're not then taken over by these thoughts and and the thing that i that clicked with me recently and i've been into mindfulness for a long time my pretty much no word for word, The Power of No Now by Eckhart Tolle. I read it and listened to it so many times. Yeah. But what I really understood was mindfulness is so powerful and potent and transformative because when you are engaging in it, you are inviting, and I know people don't like this word, but I'm going to say it anyway, you're inviting God to the table or source energy or the universe or your higher self, call it what you want, it doesn't matter. But you're inviting that energy that's indescribable with words and incomprehensible to the mind to the table and this transmutes the negativity of the inner critic or any negative thoughts we have so mindfulness is just golden I would say and this is a practice that goes on over time and what I've noticed in me because I'm like this human petri dish you know I kind of get involved in all the stuff and then get scraped up and then come out and go hey guys this is what works and don't do this by the way so having practiced it for many years is that uh my my anxiety and so on and those thoughts and those triggers are just so mild now that it it, I just can't imagine them really ever taking me over or if they did, it wouldn't be very powerful and it wouldn't be for long, but that's just through consistent practice over time. And it, uh, it's so powerful. Totally is. And that last little bit that you've just said is the game changer. It's the consistent patterns over time. And, yes. you know, I work a lot with my clients on breaking down daily habits and that's by creating new success habits every day, just yes. doing, um, you know, and my coach says to me, just imagine if you shifted the wheel one degree to the left or to the right yes and then you carry on driving that one degree shift yes totally different path that you were gonna go on compared to just staying straight and that's the problem is I think a lot of us think if I've got to change if I've got to do this it's got to be big it's got to be big it's got to be impressive it's got to be massive and I need to do it yesterday and the reality is it comes from small consistent actions taken every single day that's what creates sustainable change and success. Yes. Um, and when we break it down like that, even that in itself, you go, oh, thank God for that. I've got to do it all now. I've got to figure it out. And the reality is that when you take these small steps, yeah. that gives you room to learn to, to then decide whether you need to go from A to C or A to D, because C is perhaps going to take you down a bit of a tricky route. Yes. Um, but actually, if you pivot a little bit and go to D, it's going to take you down the route that you want to go. And again, we, we get so caught up in, well, this is how it should be done. And this is how it, I've always seen that it's going to be done. Therefore, it's got to be this way. And we can be resistant in our way of thinking and, and looking and um, living because we're like, uh, uh, it's this way or, or no way at all. That's I failed. I failed. Yes. Um, but it's having that fluidity, yes. but also knowing, I've said this before, but I love it. It's like someone said to me, um, when you think of something that you want to achieve, a rocket is sent up into the air and it comes down with all of the experiences that you need to go through to get there. Yeah. 
And so every challenge that you go through is teaching you something that's that's allowing you to become the person you need to be to then get to the next step and the next step and the next step. And I, you know, I think that that is so important by just breaking it down and keeping it simple and and not listening, like you say, to the inner critic, having it on your journey as a silent observer. Yeah. And actually, sometimes it keeps you on your on your toes, doesn't it? you know, a little bit of, ooh. Um, <laughs> and just, you know, making sure that you just are open-minded and, and hearing you, like, I see you, and I know obviously it's a podcast, although uh, this will be going on YouTube, um, but you're just beaming and you embody everything that you're saying. And you are a, a prime example, having had, you know, anxiety and depression, two nervous breakdowns, to then be sat here and saying, I just choose not to listen. And even when it does appear, I don't let it indent my confidence in a way that is going to affect my performance, ultimately, in whatever it is that we do. Um, And I think that's such a powerful, magical way to live. Yeah. I, I hope so. I mean, I my thing is just to inspire other people to live happier lives because I, I, I can do it. Anyone can do it. And, and that's why I, I share in this way. And I just wanted to say, um, I love that rocket and rocket analogy, by the way. And for me, life is always getting us ready for the things we're asking for. Mm. Um, but of course, I'm really into the circular reasoning of the inner critic. Like it will say, you've got to do this big thing. You can't do it. Don't bother. And then you don't do it. And then it says, why didn't you do it? You're so lazy. And, and of course, it's the inner critic that's telling us you've got to take these massive steps. And it's like, no, you don't. You just take small steps. And something that I just got fascinated by recently is the idea of exponential growth. Mm. I talk a lot about, um, and I'm really into manifestation. And what I what I got recently was, if you keep taking these small consistent steps in faith, life matches every step you take. And so this is why with consistency, we suddenly get this like explosion, like an, an overnight success. Because mm. if anyone knows anything about exponential growth, it sounds really boring, but the impact it can have on your life is anything but then you'll see that that it's like the universe works in the 11th hour right at the last minute is when everything just goes what I call batshit crazy there's Mm. a there's a really simple video on YouTube you can watch on it but the mind says no don't do it it's too much don't start your soul says just start before you're ready take the first step one step at a time and then before long everything has like fallen into your lap but it's it's magical but the Mm. ego is so contrary to that and just doesn't believe in any of that stuff and yeah it has this crazy circular reasoning that it's just it it cracks me up ultimately (laughs) yeah you know it is and it can send you down a spiral and on that vicious circle or however you want to be what I've always found that that really benefited me um um and and ultimately ultimately my clients is looking again when your um inner critic is coming into play it's looking for evidence to dispel what they're saying as well, because, you know, we can get so caught up in the, oh, you know, life for me, life is always really hard. Why has it got to be so hard all the time? And I just go down that route. And then I write um, and remind myself of times where I've like, I signed up one of my biggest ever clients and it was the easiest thing I've ever done and everything fell into place. So that's bullshit. It's not always hard. And when you start to dispel it, 
you start to one get proof of the fact that actually your your beliefs aren't factually correct your your um, inner critics not factually correct but two you start to then think well if that was so easy and this is so hard what am i missing and should i be looking to pivot because life isn't actually designed to be hard it can be very easy as i've just seen in my evidence here so do i keep going down this route or do i tweak it or you know there's lessons everywhere yeah but it's just um i suppose having the awareness and confidence potentially to have those conversations with yourself I think there's no better conversation you can have than with yourself, actually, where you ask very valuable questions and learn so much more than anyone can ever give you because no one knows you in the way that you know you. No one knows you in the way that you understand it. No one feels the same things that you feel. No one has ever experienced anything in the same way that you have. So understanding yourself is so vital yeah. in managing, you know, the self uh, doubt, managing the inner critic, living the life that you want to live, because the only person that's going to help you fully to do that is yourself. Of course, getting support around you is absolutely vital. But the reality is you take that information and you interpret it in a way that's right for you. Yes, I totally agree. And something that I like to sometimes think about is the only person that is with you from birth till death every moment in between is you and when you think yeah. about it it's kind of mind-blowing it's a couple of things I just want to briefly say please the first is I went to a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within event like two and a half years ago and my biggest takeaway from the whole thing was when he said very often the absolute opposite of what the mind tells you to be true is true so you know it's like I'm too young I'm too fat I'm too poor life's too hard and so making that switch around can be massively powerful and on the same lines sometimes I just say to my inner critic are you fucking kidding me mm. <laughs> and you have to be really uh, my 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 sort of approach is always uh, spades of compassion and love but also being firm and I think we need that on our own minds it's like are you fucking insane like some yeah. of the stuff that my inner critic says it's like you are nuts and I think we need to be like that and just be yeah. like mate no <laughs> yeah 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 and if the listeners can take that, like sometimes you just got to completely turn it. One of my favorite processes is what I call turn that frown upside down when you're going, oh, my life's really hard. It's like, hang on a minute. I've got a house. I've got a car. I've got a job. I've got a healthy child. I've got a husband, whatever it might be. Yeah. And in a very loving way, but a firm way, give yourself a kick up the backside. We need this because we get taken down by other people, by the media, by uh, social media, all these different influences. And you don't even realize that your soul and your essence are just getting like, you know, like when you see yeah. a poor old person who's like so stooped over yeah, yeah. and you think I've got to do fucking Pilates. That's my message to do Pilates or whatever. But I think this happens on the inside. Like look around at people and who do you see who's like smiling apart from kids or the odd couple that are yeah. in love. So I think sometimes we just got to say, hang on, wait a goddamn minute. I'm not being ruled by you and you are crazy. No, thanks. 100%. And also saying, like, um, I'm a really loving friend, right? I'm so loyal and overprotective. Anyone, like, double-crosses any member of my family, oof, I'm on them. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will big up my son all the time and we're doing the high five challenge together and, 
you know, I boost like my husband all the time. And then I read this post and I was like, oh my God. And it was like, would you hang out with your, with someone if they spoke to you the way that you speak to yourself? And I was like, absolutely bloody not. Why the hell am I so overprotective for everybody else? And I am, and I am, um, I'm protective of myself, but in such a egotistical way of negativity, like, oh, I won't do that because I don't want to like be judged or let someone down or whatever. But yeah. I'm not overprotective in the fact that I'm letting this inner critic shoot yeah. me down, chip away at my confidence, kill my dreams, screw with my focus, my motivation, my self-worth, my everything. I should be bashing the out of them (laughs) but I haven't been because I'm like well I am protecting myself I'm making sure you know I don't fail while blah 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 yeah while letting this inner critic come in and it was like wow when some because sometimes you hear it don't you but like we said earlier or you read something and you're like oh oh I get it now and I was just like yeah I would not hang out with me in fact I would have told myself (laughs) quite a few bloody times and several years ago yeah. What the hell am I doing? Yeah, and that's so true. I'm actually working with a coach at the moment um, who's a self-love coach. And her thing is, if I her one of her rules is if I wouldn't say it to a friend, I don't say it to myself, which yeah. is exactly what, yeah. what you were saying. Um, and the other thing, actually, that I want to just touch upon, Emma, because you've mentioned it a couple of times, is um, one of the things that ego or inner critic will use against us is, I already know this. Mm-hmm. I already know this. But unless you are acting on it I would say you don't know it so stop saying that it's like you could learn about nutrition right and then sit there eating McDonald's and go yeah I I know about nutrition well you're still going to be unhealthy and perhaps overweight um Mm -hmm. I've had it happen on occasion with clients because I already know this are you actioning it Mm. knowledge is sort of kind of power but unless you're acting on it it don't mean shit so Don't let the ego use yeah, that yeah, yeah. because then you'll sink into this slump. Oh no, I thought I was going to learn something and I already know this. Yeah, yeah. Don't say I know this if you are embodying it. That's a you know word that you probably hear a lot in the world of self-development. Am I embodying this? And unless you're embodying it, you don't know it. So don't let the don't let your ego use that because yeah, yeah. it will I- do. Yeah, that is so, so, so true. And we know all of that before. And almost it's like, oh, well, I've ticked that box because I went I went to Tony Robbins two and a half years ago. I've learned all of that, you know, because he's he's a big man with all the answers. So I've done that bit. Let's focus on the doing bit and and everything else. No, it is bullshit because that is one of the biggest things that I see a lot of people stumbling on is they either think they know it therefore like you know oh yeah well I've got my affirmations and I don't do it or they do know it but they struggle to identify how to apply it yeah um and that's through no fault of their own and they might not be the ones that go oh you know I've heard that before I don't need to hear it again they might be I have heard that but I just can't see how that fits in with me or how to use it to my advantage Um, or how to use it to make a difference. And that's why I really love the power of stories, because I think, you know, when you're hearing people talk authentically from the heart, you start to see fragments of yourself in that story. And then the fog starts to uh, lift and the confusion that you've been carrying around starts to kind of go. And you're like, oh, 
if I maybe tried that, yeah, then that might work for me. And the missing pieces start to come together. And I think that is really powerful. So, you, you know, when you're looking at or you're aware of the fact that you do know, but you just don't know how to apply it, that in itself is like you need to get support. Like I know we've all just said it's us that ultimately is the decision maker and who controls 100 percent. But you don't have to do it on your own. And if someone can bridge that gap for you and help you to get to where you need to be faster and easier and a lot more smoothly, then take it because, you know, you can't always expect to do all of these things on your own. 100%. 100%. And, and again, the, the inner critic will say, oh, well, you should be able to do this by yourself. You know, I thought self-reliance was a, was a key theme because... Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen this in your work, Emma, but I've seen it with my clients where I will give them some helpful information, but then sometimes, and I've definitely done this, our mind will use it against us. So they might take the stuff to do at home and then they'll try really hard and they'll make a meal out of it. And it's like, no, it's defeating the point. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's again, the challenge with the inner critic is it's so sort of um, insidious and, and sneaky, which again is why that question really helps. Does this thought feel good to me? Does this thought feel good to me? Cuts through all that stuff and really helps you discern. Definitely, definitely. Well, there's so many little juicy nuggets here. I know that we've spoken (laughs) a lot about um, uh, the inner critic I would love to just touch while we still have time to talk about, you know, obviously that there have been some amazing things to get people started on silencing the inner critic and and really learning from that. However, I also think that this complements it massively. And I know that you agree too, is, you know, is that ability to switch off and relax because often when we're in fight and flight, we're in very much the doing mode of things. And in order to not listen to the inner critic or to make powerful choices, we need to be in the being part of ourselves to understand who we need to be in order to do the things that we need to do. Um, And so I'd love to hear it from that side of things. But Also, again, you know, there's this big fear of being seen as being selfish when um, we choose to put ourselves before others. And I see time and time again, people almost like you know so you know I know you know I'll always put my son ahead of me and you know and he always comes first no no there's a reason you're meant to put your oxygen mask on before you put it on other people and I really struggle with that until just a couple of years ago and it's like I can't be anything to anybody if I'm like on burnout myself yeah um and I have had to and there was a lot of resistance when it comes to relaxation people also don't know what relaxation is in this modern society I mean I think we've all been forced to relax a little bit in the last 18 months because we haven't been able to go anywhere but that's then created obviously more stress but I'd love to know just your thoughts on that relaxation piece and the benefits and what you can do when you feel that it's very foreign and unobtainable um, so the first thing I want to say is something that the late great Wayne Dyer said, and it's so powerful and I absolutely love it, is this idea that being um, taking care of yourself is selfish. He said it's complete BS. The most self-absorbed people are people who are anxious or depressed. Anyone that's ever been through that, it's not their fault, but it, speak to someone with anxiety. 
they're very unlikely to ask you how you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, um, people who are, who, for, for me, self-love and so on is, is, is caring enough, so much about other people that you do whatever it takes to tend to yourself in order that you just get over yourself. People that ask, how are you? Can I help you? That, that can show up. It's because they've dealt with their stuff. Mm. So it's just completely illogical. And, and obviously the, the oxygen mask analogy that you made is, is perfect. And, and just, yeah, again, cuts through all the BS. Um, the thing I want to say about relaxation or white space downtime, meditating, all that stuff, is that the challenge is if you're knackered or you're grouchy or whatever, you can still show up, right? I could show up to this podcast and you'd still see me looking kind of the same. Maybe my skin would look a bit more dull, whatever, but I'd still be here and I'd still be talking. Mm. So it's not like I'm going to die and not turn up. But if I'm tired or not well rested, whatever, I'm not going to have the same energy. I'm not going to bring forth the same, it, the same vibrancy. So, so it's like if you didn't put fuel in your car, which is a bit of a touchy subject right now, <laughs> there are so many of them, then of course you would get in the car and it literally would not move. Mm. This doesn't happen with us. It, that's why people walk around there are so many zombies metaphorical zombies on this planet because they're still going to work they're still parenting but but here's the thing when you take the time to to rest to what I would call align or line up your energy it's like putting the fuel in your car okay it's like plugging in the toaster before you actually toast the bread the difference it makes to you when you are what i would call aligned rested and so on and so forth is like night and day we live in this world that's obviously physical you know there's a microphone in front of me and a and a mac and my water and you you know you've got a chair behind you and so on but there's also the non-physical that the mind doesn't really understand but we've got these two um aspects at play and it's really tapping into this non-physical that happens when we rest that's a slow slightly more metaphysical woo-woo way of describing it but that is ultimately ultimately the power of it I have <clears throat> I try not to be sort of push against anything but I have a slight bugbear when people say oh I'm not a meditative person I'm like do you not like to be present with your kids do you not like to be able to stop work when you want to do you not like to be in control in your own mind do you not like to feel vital and well because meditating like sleeping is so vital for our well-being mm -hmm. and it's really people aren't fully gonna get it unless they start to lean into this truth that there's more to life than meets the eye mm -hmm. and I think we all well we all know it deep down mm -hmm. um but some of us aren't ready to, to tap into that. You can look at it in a more, you know, scientific way and all of the benefits of meditation and sleep and so on, of which there are many. But for me, that's just like, you know, um, looking at it in a very shallow perspective. Ultimately, the difference between you being aligned and not, it's like someone who's, a, who's an athlete or a top performer. They don't just rock up on stage and go, hey guys, I'm here, or I'm just gonna run in the Olympics now. They get into the zone. Mm. 
But this is our lives we're talking about. This is our, our children's lives, our loved ones' lives that we're showing up for. Far more important, ultimately, than the Olympics or, or playing the guitar on stage. So don't you want to be awake and present and vital and alive in your life and show that to others? Like, ultimately, if you knew the difference, if you really knew it, you just would not not do it. Yeah. And I, I totally get that. And I think, you know, going back to the sports people analogy, because I, I, I love sports people anyway, I think we can learn so much from the sportsman's person's mentality. Yeah. But you look at any athlete, any sports person, um, and you automatically think about their physical training. Mm. Um, but what you also need to consider is they have planned rest days yeah. because their body needs to rest and their mind needs to switch off. Yeah. Um, and if their body and their mind is totally switched on, they'll burn out, get resentful and not be able to perform at their peak. Yes. And so again, in everyday life, it's not just about doing, it's about being, it's about finding that balance. And that's not a 50, 50 balance. It's a balance that works for you, but where you have, rest periods to switch off and recuperate to to um create space in your mind and your body to think more differently to be able to receive the um ideas the answers the opportunities uh to to calm your mind down so you don't send that shit awful email to someone that could get you fired but you send one that is, you know, gets to the point, but is sent with love and, and all of that professionalism or whatever it may be. Yeah. But it's so important to bring in rest days. Yes. Um, however way you look at it, a sports person, you know, us every day, to have that time of switching off. Is someone more successful if they work nine, nine hours a day, five days a week than someone who works 20 hours? No. And, and the thing is, we're all different. Um, some of us have more consistent energy. Some of us don't. Yeah. So the, the whole uh, motivational speaker world is really geared towards mostly to a certain personality type. And we're not all designed to work in, in that manner. Um, and the other thing is, just keeping it real, stress makes you stupid. Mm. It runs down your intelligence. And when you go, 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 you, you start to become stressed. If you're doing too much for you, stress will encroach. And as, as stress rises, intelligence uh, dips. And so it just, if you're a logic, whether you're a logical person or you're into woo-woo or both, because ultimately they both, you know, dovetail, um, it, it, it makes sense. Uh, there's something called the Yerkes Dodson law, where it shows that your um, uh, ability to, to, um, to perform rises, but it reaches this crescendo and then it drops off. It yeah. doesn't make sense to keep working beyond that because that's when you start to become stupid and your, your you know, your primitive brain takes over. That's when you, like you were talking about earlier, react versus respond. And you could send one email in your yeah. stupid state that has really, uh, really damaging consequences that then you're having to sort out afterwards. I remember at my daughter's birthday party years ago, at one point I was literally going man in circles and I was laughing thinking I'm like a headless chicken I was completely yeah. ineffective because I was stressed so yeah. Yeah, it's not personal but stress makes us stupid and you don't want that stupid capacity in, in your brain that we all have running the show mm, mm. without <laughs> a doubt such powerful stuff you've been amazing you've been really really amazing um and there's so many 
different nuggets there. But I think, you know, the, the, the running theme that's really kind of coming through is that awareness piece, checking in with yourself, asking that awesome question, which is, does that thought feel good to me? Yes. If it's a no, it's yes. not you. Yes. Because your higher self wants you to feel good. Yes. Ultimately, everything about life is for you to feel good. Yes. You know, so really kind of write that that question down. Does that thought feel good to me? And then spend the time. You owe it to yourself to spend that time to ask it, but also then to listen and act on it. Because there's no point asking it and then ignoring it because you're too busy listening to the inner critic and going off on that spiral. Um, And then just also recognizing that um, keeping it small and it's the small consistent stuff and just trial and error. You know, what you need today is going to be very different to what you need in a month's time if you're consistently showing up. So just don't feel that it has to be rigid, be fluid um, and really kind of... um, do what feels right for you rather than copying what you know what you're what we're all doing but do what feels right for you and making it relevant for you like we've all got our own versions of you know um and there's nothing wrong with that so find what your version is and adapt it and commit to it and make that choice 100 percent is there any lasting um, comments that you would want to share? Is there something intuitively that you think people perhaps need to hear right now as a bit of a signing off? I just, I mean, it's kind of reiterating, but it, that voice is gonna always going to want to thwart you and it can take this podcast and, and, you know, turn it into a negative for you. But it, you were born for greatness for joy and you are so much more powerful than your mind will ever permit you to understand Mm. so just know this and know that no matter what that voice says or your current circumstances you have the capacity to thrive that's what you were born for so please don't listen to anything less than that whether it's from your own mind or anybody else and know that if there's something in your heart that you desire it's there for a reason go for it be consistent keep coming back into alignment and yeah you can be or do or have anything and that's just the end of from my perspective and please know that awesome love it you've been amazing thank Thank you so much how (laughs) can people find you um the the relax me happy it's just my website relaxmehappy.co.uk i'm mostly on instagram um that's where i show up and i do share a lot on instagram um, I don't work one-to-one anymore. I just, I have a podcast, I have a membership and a few other bits, but they can find most of it from either my website or, or my Instagram. Awesome. Oh, you've been amazing. So thank you so much. And thank you everyone who has taken the time to listen today. We really appreciate it. And I hope it's been helpful. If there's anything that's come up for you in this show, then obviously reach out to either myself or to Sophie and we'll be able to help you out. So in the meantime, have a fab week and I will see you all next week. Bye for now. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, please head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review. Bye for now.